Hi, this is Jeremy Gritton, art director and story lead for Ori and the Will of the Wisps, and you're listening to the Xbox Expansion Pass. Welcome one, welcome all to episode 66 of the Xbox Expansion Pass, recorded on Sunday, January 17th, 2020. I am your host, Luke Lore, the Insipid Ghost. In this episode, we break down the remarkable announcements coming from what is now known as Lucasfilm Games, involving major news with both the Star Wars and Indiana Jones franchises. CDPR is again in the news, this time with an apology video followed with an expose by Jason Schreier. And lastly, we have plenty of listener mail awaiting us. Enjoy. Yet another week of gaming is upon us and behind us. Welcome to XEP, discussing all things in the Gamerverse. As they pertain to the Xbox ecosystem, and as I want to do each and every episode, I want to offer words of kindness to those who have made my gaming week better. And this week, the words of kindness extend to my good friend Chris Johnston from Player One Podcast. Chris recently featured XEP and our interview with Shelby Young over on his new project, SecondPlayer.net. If you're unfamiliar, SecondPlayer.net curates fascinating and interesting videos from around the interwebs in the video game space uh, in a way that perhaps the YouTube algorithms don't do themselves. Uh, Chris uh, tirelessly searches different uh, podcast feeds, content creators, and checks out different uh, producers of various types of content in the gaming world to feature on SecondPlayer.net to bring people, uh, to save people, I suppose, the time of having to seek out stuff that falls within their interest category on their own. I would encourage you guys to go over there and check out his work there and the project that he's put together. It was great to be a featured episode on there for sure, but the the website alone just stands apart as being clean, a wonderful interface, and a really fascinating place to pick up stuff within the gaming verse that I didn't know that I was necessarily interested in. Uh, It's well worth your time. Secondplayer.net. Go check that one out, guys. I... I think there's a lot to offer gamers that are interested in learning more about the video game space well beyond just, of course, the Xbox ecosystem, but gaming history, gaming futures, designs, aspects, music. There's so much to offer there, and uh, Chris is doing a really good job at curating that stuff, so do go check that out. Again, for the 43rd time, secondplayer.net. It was dope, and uh, I do appreciate getting featured on there, so thank you, sir. While the first week of January was certainly a slow one in the gaming space, the second week turned out to be anything but that, with bombshell news coming out that Lucasfilm Games was back, reformed, formerly known as LucasArts, and any other kind of variations of that, and then fairly dormant over the last decade or so, not making much of a peep in the gaming space outside of an exclusivity deal that Disney had made when they acquired Lucasfilm uh, to make Star Wars games. You know, EA was the only one making Star Wars games. Well, then with the exclusivity deal winding down with EA, Disney seems to be loosening the reins just a bit, and the formation of Lucasfilm Games is back in the vein of Marvel games that allows Marvel to work with different studios outside uh, of any one particular umbrella 
to make any particular type of game in the Marvel space, Lucasfilm can now do that very same thing. And we were teased very early on in the week by Bethesda, treated to a wonderful video on Twitter that Indiana Jones would be making his return. And I've got to tell you, the social media space went nuts on this. I watched the teaser. I watched it several times at that. The iconic Indiana Jones uh, whip and hat and theme song brought a smile to my face, as did the news that it would be specifically worked on at Bethesda by Machine Games. The game is being worked on by Machine Games, of course, known for the Wolfenstein series, Masters of Dispensing uh, Justice on the Nazis. I am so excited for this. There is so much happening under this Lucasfilm Games umbrella and specifically a lot to talk about with what this indiana jones game might be might mean is machine games the right one to be working on it is there an exclusivity deal in place going forward so much to take apart lots to examine here Um, but bottom line there was a massive amount of excitement surrounding this now indiana jones may be something that older generations are very familiar with but i don't think the character has much play with younger generations which provides a wonderful opportunity for machine games bethesda and lucasfilm to make an inroad in the gaming space and turn people's heads towards indiana jones as a character Mind you, there is a new movie, a fifth one in the Indiana Jones series that is set to come out on July 29th in 2022. It is unknown at this time whether or not the game will be tied into that, but there's a lot of excitement surrounding it. There have been questions as to whether or not this game would be a third-person adventure game, say, similar in the vein to Uncharted. And, of course, we know that Nathan Drake uh, very much modeled after Harrison Ford's uh, iconic character of Indiana Jones. What kind of game are we going to be seeing? There's a lot of gunplay involved with the Uncharted series. I mean, he is mowing down enemies left and right. You have to wonder if Disney's going to be okay with their Indiana Jones star doing that same thing. Will it be more of an adventure title where you are, are moving about an island and it's more about exploration and traversal and very little fighting involved? Are you going to be limited to a revolver and a whip? You know, there's so many aspects to this that my mind races to. What are we going to see? Is he going to be able to swing from vines using the whip? Is there going to be uh, flying of planes? Are we going to be replaying elements of the old movies, which in many ways do not age as well as we might like? Now, don't misunderstand me. The first three movies are wonderful. Everyone seems to have their favorite from those who have enjoyed that trilogy. I myself love The Last Crusade, but there are elements of the Indiana Jones character that may not play as well in 2021, 2022, and beyond, Um, particularly that of of someone going and, and taking treasure uh, out of indigenous areas and and removing it from that uh, for profit or putting it in museums uh, in, in other places around the world. And I don't know that that will uh, necessarily play out in a good way. So they're going to have to look at remodeling, rebranding this Indiana Jones character. I have to wonder if they'll be using Harrison Ford's likeness in any way, shape, or form. Uh, personally, I'm not really a fan of that. I would love for them to get the guy from Solo. I thought he was incredible. That'd be a dope place. He, of course... Uh, has experience uh, using Harrison Ford's characters and expanding and making them uh, himself. But really and truly, a lot of a lot of uh, excitement here because machine games, as we said, known for Wolfenstein, known for first-person shooters, for gunplay, they are wonderful. 
how will they take on a character like this? This is a great departure from what we have seen from them over the last decade or so. And that makes me excited. I am all for that. I think it's important for studios to diversify uh, their portfolio, to not just work on one type of game, one type of uh, genre. We'll get to see them flex a little bit. Of course, we know that they do not compromise at all. When it comes to dispensing with Nazis and goodness gracious in 2021, we could use quite a bit of that, I am sure. Uh, But I have a lot of excitement for this. I'm excited to see where it goes, what type of game we're going to have come out of it. And one of the things that is more fascinating in the conversation is whether or not this game will be exclusive. Of course, it is a Bethesda game. Bethesda is being partnered and purchased by Microsoft. Uh, That deal should be finalized in February of this year. And we've seen Microsoft and Xbox work very hard to honor agreements that were already in place. There's a lot of games like Deathloop that have been promised to the PlayStation community, and they're going to be honoring that despite the fact that they now fall under the Microsoft umbrella. There's also a lot of wording elements to this. In the teaser by Bethesda, there was no mention of a console or exclusivity. And you would have to imagine if there was uh, an exclusivity deal in place that was finalized ink dry, you would see them shouting it from the rooftops, both Bethesda and Microsoft. We also know that Microsoft is going to be playing a lot of these Bethesda games on a case-by-case basis. And so I really wonder how they're going to approach this going forward. What I do not wonder, though, is whether or not we will see this day and date into Game Pass. And that's the big benefit. Right now, if you are concerned about exclusivity, I would tell you to relax. Because uh, if, you, if, if you're if you worried about it not coming to your platform, well, then you need to be uh, entering yourself into the Xbox platform by way of xCloud, by way of PC, by way of a console. Uh, or you're not going to play it. If you're worried that it's... Uh, going to be multi-platform don't because you're in the xbox ecosystem and you can enjoy it day and date into game pass which is something that we very comfortably get to do with all of the now microsoft games going forward and i think that's a very exciting prospect Sometimes we get so bogged down with the idea of exclusivity and how important it is to be exclusive, we forget to enjoy the game itself. And we get caught up in the argument and debate of that that is, I think, largely unnecessary. If I want to play Uncharted, I need to go purchase a PlayStation product. If I want to play uh, Horizon, the same thing is there. If I want to play Halo, I'm on the Xbox ecosystem. And there are a lot of ways to enter into that. I would not worry yourself right now at this point in time as to whether or not this game is exclusive instead take comfort in the fact that if you're a game pass subscriber you're likely going to get this day and date whether it's exclusive or not and that is thrilling and exciting you can also know that this game is going to be directed and executively produced by todd howard and of course todd howard known for a number of different games in the elder scroll series and working a lot with the fallout aspects uh, but he is a tremendous Indiana Jones fan, and there's a lot of excitement to be had there as well. Microsoft paid $7.5 billion for Bethesda. It is very likely that we will see a lot of exclusive games coming out of Bethesda for Xbox. Not every single one needs to fall under that category. I think it's a wonderful talking point. I will be very excited to see uh, all of the exclusive console games for Xbox going forward, the ones that don't make their way to PlayStation or third parties. However, I'm not going to worry and, and badger myself over this right now because there's no reason to. We don't have the info for it. And uh, all in all, it's I don't take pleasure in robbing another ecosystem of games, nor do I take pleasure in uh, in the conversation of, oh, this is better, this is not. That's not really fun for me anymore. 
Now, I will say a lot of you wrote in with questions. I, I pulled a few of them, and this one's going to be for Captain Logan. And I, I think it kind of sums up the other questions well. He says, why is it almost impossible for people to think an Indiana Jones game could be an Xbox exclusive? It's a big IP when, Spider when Sony has Spider-Man as their exclusive. Captain Logan, that is a wonderful question, and we see it a lot. It's kind of a, uh, it's kind of an, an interesting aspect that people do not allow Microsoft the benefit of the doubt when it comes to big third-party exclusives, or rather, I should say, big franchise exclusives that are not, you know, created within themselves. And Indiana Jones does not have the same pull as Spider-Man by any means, and, and Spider-Man is. Uh, one of the most iconic characters of all time throughout the world, and people know it. And the idea that it's exclusive on Sony is not one that I think is good for the the brand of Spider-Man. It certainly is good for the brand of Sony, but uh, I think it's a bummer. And I don't want to see Star Wars or uh, Avengers or, or, or really big, like Batman. I don't want those games to be exclusive. Indiana Jones is an interesting one because uh, it, it has a lot of caveats to it. Again, I talked earlier about the youth to... Not being overly familiar with the character outside of a Lego game, and uh, it doesn't age as well. But there is a new movie, and, and uh, Uncharted and Tomb Raider are certainly modeled after it. So I'm I'm curious to see what they do with it. Really and truly, though, I'm not sure that there is a hypocritical standard in place when it comes to Xbox, and I think it's partly a bit of their own doing. Sony did a really good job at curating an exclusive portfolio of games that people wanted to play, and Microsoft did not, and it's taken time to recover from that. I think uh, right now, a lot of the momentum, the mindshare, and the, the excitement for third-party games is with Sony, and people don't want to have that taken away. They have the largest install base of the two, and because of that, that means more people stand to miss out on the game than to opt in on the game, and I think there's a factor of that as well. Microsoft has an uphill battle in almost every arena they battle in, and take solace in the fact that every time they battle in those arenas, they seem to emerge, uh, perhaps not unscathed, but ready for the next bout, ready to go. They very rarely seem just beaten down, and I've been very impressed with their curation of it. That's that double standard that is in place there, though, Logan, uh, I tr do my best to ignore it and try not to participate in it myself. Uh, when people ask, you know, what superhero game needs to be the response to Spider-Man by Xbox, I talk about more niche characters like Wolverine or uh, Black Panther, but never the X-Men or the Avengers. You know, I, I would never want Batman to be exclusive to a console because I don't think that's good for the characters in general. So there's a lot to break down in that. I'm not even sure I have fully fleshed out thoughts, but I do know that that standard that you're talking about there. And and all in all, I don't know whether or not this game will be exclusive, but at some point it will be a, something where the PlayStation community really wants what the Xbox community has, and it'll be a shoe on the other foot type scenario. And it's up to us to be uh, gracious and kind and allowing for that frustration to occur within the PlayStation community, uh, much as it has with the Xbox. I mean, goodness gracious, when it comes to exclusives, Sony has knocked it out of the park. I mean, if we get if we get Indiana Jones, no problem in, on the Xbox side, but, I mean, we need God of War. You know, we need uh, Spider-Man. We need Horizon. There's a lot to happen there. But it's, it's a fun story to track there for sure. Good question, Logan. Thank you. Thank you. 
Of course, not content to sit on the sidelines for more than a day, Lucasfilm Games decided to move the conversation along from Indiana Jones and take it into a place that we all love going, a galaxy far, far away, the land of Star Wars. And the news that came out about it, Ubisoft is making an open-world Star Wars game. Now, that should throw up your eyebrows in a couple different ways. Of course, the excitement that a new Star Wars game is on the way outside of Jedi Fallen Order 2. Uh, that, to me, is thrilling, and I'm stoked for it. But the fact that it's Ubisoft and not EA as a publisher is wonderfully thrilling to me. It signals the end of the EA exclusivity deal that I believe is set to end in 2023. That deal, of course, yielded us Star Wars Battlefronts 1 and 2, the second, of course, being the one that uh, seems to dominate the conversations when people think back on it. It had a disastrous launch, uh, an interesting story in that game, but the multiplayer was broken, microtransaction-laden, and and very, very bad at, at launch. Turns out, of... of all the games of the last generation, Battlefront 2 is one of my favorites because the state it is in, it is in, it is in now. Mm, easy for me to say. The state that it is in now is fantastic. Battlefront 2 now is one of my favorite Star Wars games ever made. A lot of time has been spent in the co-op battles. Uh, there were just my buddies, Hometown and Bad Bit, and I would just jump in and have a go as the Empire, as the old or as the Re- the Republic, as the. Uh, as, as Darth Maul and Kylo Ren and, and the Resistance. It was just so much fun to be battling in those worlds. Battlefront 2 is great. Of course, that deal also had Galaxy of Heroes, a very popular mobile game that to this day is perhaps the most popular Star Wars game of all time in terms of people engaging with it. Then Star Wars Squadrons and Jedi Fallen Order. That is not a lot of games for a 10-year exclusivity deal. Of course, there is the infamous Amy Hennig game that has been taken away from us, the Star Wars 1313, a lot of eyebrows raised at the games that we coulda, woulda, shoulda, but didn't have under EA. Now a lot of that looks like it's going to be subsiding as Lucasfilm Games looks to be shopping around to different studios, similar, again, to how they would do with uh, Marvel games at this point. But Ubisoft making an open world game. If there's one thing Ubisoft does well, it is open worlds, without a doubt. We often have laughed in the last few episodes that we got Watch Dogs Legion, we got Assassin's Creed Valhalla, we got Immortals Phoenix Rising. Three open world games within three months of each other. What kind of lunacy is that? Well, now we're going to get a game that has a Star Wars coat of paint and more by Massive Entertainment. Massive, of course, works on the Division series. Now, I want you to imagine with me. Go on this journey because it's exciting. Massive Entertainment, known for the Division. Okay, that's what they do well. Whether or not they choose to use that setup template, I don't know. Don't care. But if they do use it truly, imagine an open world game in the world where you play as a Mandalorian-like character and you move around uh, a massive city or world working to upgrade your armor, get Beskar armor, get Beskar uh, physical weapons like the staff involved in the Mandalorian, or you want to upgrade your gear and move out and and take down cartel lords or drug lords or uh, bust gambling rings or things like that. I would love a Division-style Star Wars game where you're upgrading and manipulating gear to go around, uh, not as a Force user, but just as an all-around awesome badass doing awesome things in the Star Wars universe. That, to me, is thrilling. We've got the Jedi in Jedi Fallen Order. you got to know that you're going to be getting something crazy in Jedi Fallen Order 2. A non-Jedi game working in the world as a Mandalorian or something like that would be really, really neat. And uh, I'm just so thrilled by it. 
Now, of course, Ubisoft CEO Yves Gamal had a statement on it, as you would expect. Uh, it's a lot of word salad, but it makes sense. I'm going to read it to you. Quote, the vast Star Wars lore is an incredible source of inspiration for our teams. This is the beginning of a long-term collaboration with Disney and Lucasfilm Games, and we are pleased to be working hand-in-hand to build upon the incredible legacy of Lucasfilm to create a game that we know Star Wars fans will love. End quote. I should also note that in this, this does not mean that EA is out as far as making Star Wars games. In fact, they made a statement, as did Lucasfilm, that they are continuing to work on Jedi Fallen Order 2, and they've got more projects in the works as it fits best. And if I had to guess, really and truly, this to me is good news for gamers, this is good news for Lucasfilm games, this is good news for EA. If I was EA, I would be breathing a sigh of relief, because that deal seemed to be... Uh, based in older management as opposed to newer ones. There have been a lot of frustrations with it. There's a lot of, I think, vitriol that is pointed in EA's direction because of that deal. And think about all the incredible Star Wars games of old, from Star Wars Demolition and Masters of Terrace Kasi uh, to some of the incredible ones, like the three Rogue Squadron games that existed on N64 and GameCube. There's just so many things to do within the world of Star Wars. For goodness sakes, when you look at the back-compat Xbox original games, you've got KOTORs 1 and 2, you've got Republic Commando, you've got Jedi Starfighter, Obi-Wan, Star Wars Revenge of the Sith, I believe, is in there. There's just there's just so many Star Wars games to be enjoyed. I'm excited to see that come back and happen well. Now, James Suddy, one of my good buddies, the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Suddy, who has written in almost every episode, and sometimes I forget, and then he gives me crap about it, and I hate it when he does. Goodness gracious, Suddy. I love you, buddy, and I hate when I miss out on your stuff. He says, Would you rather see a single-player, a co-op, or multiplayer Star Wars game? I personally want a co-op, well-written story where me and my Sith or Jedi buddies can make our mark on the universe, or better yet, co-op where Sith and Jedi are working together. Man, Suddy, there's a lot to break down in that. I love it. I love it. I have an idea in my mind for Jedi Fallen Order 2 where you can play the game entirely single player or you can play it co-op. And I would love the idea of that Souls-esque style, that element that that Jedi Fallen Order has with combat, moving through massive amount of enemies with a co-op buddy would be awesome. I would love that, right? If given the option between multiplayer, single player, or co-op, and I assume when we say multiplayer, we mean like competitive, I will always choose single player. I have to have single player games uh, for my gaming happiness. I, I want that. And I want to be able to play through a Star Wars story at my own pace if I if I want to, right? So top of the list, I want single player games. I know I'm getting that in Fallen Order 2 on some level. I want to see more single player Star Wars games. However... There's a special place for co-op when done right. Okay, when the Gears games do it right. Halo can do it right. Uh, there's a lot of ideas there that you're, that you're tossing around where you're, you know, you're working as a group of Sith or a group of Jedi moving through and doing something awesome. Love it. Love it. I love the idea there. Uh, competitive? I think Battlefront 3 needs to happen. I really hope EA continues the Battlefront series. And uh, again, this is in large part due to the state that Battlefront 2 is in. But I would love to see Battlefront 3 uh, continue uh, continue there because it, it, they, it's really good. Simply put, it's really good. Uh, so I, I want it all is the answer to your question. I love the idea of a Sith and a Jedi having to work together. There's a lot of Star Wars Legends elements that involved uh, Jedi and Sith being stranded on a planet together and having to work to 
kind of get off the planet and, and the idea of dark Jedi, gray Jedi being involved would be a really cool thing. And of course we know that, that Disney and LucasArts, Lucasfilm, I should say, are, are doing incredible work in the Star Wars universe in terms of TV and, and series for Disney+. Plus. So I would love to see them take advantage of that as well. I've had a lot of questions, you know, what type of Star Wars game do you want to see? Who do you want to be making a Star Wars game? Uh, it's not my idea. I think it was Paris Lilies from the Kind of Funny X-Cast, but the idea of the Coalition working on a Bad Batch game or Republic Commando 2, that sounds amazing. Can you imagine that team that is so well-versed in, in guns and in co-op and in uh, Horde-style games and in level traversal uh, with a weapon, moving through and creating something with the Bad Batch or with the Republic Commando team? That'd be really cool. I would really love to see what they could do with it. Uh, Machine Games is one I would have chosen for that uh, as well, but of course they're going to be working on Indiana Jones. What I'm most excited for is, though, what we don't know in terms of Star Wars games. What, if, what about a new Star Wars racer game where you're just you're play, you're pod racing? You're just doing pod racing stuff. That'd be really cool to see. Of course, we had the re-release and remaster of, of the older pod racer game, and there was a pod racer too, but just imagine a new pod racing game. That'd be really cool. Who'd make that? You know, Would Turn 10 make that? Would uh, the developers behind Forza Horizon? I don't know. But I like the idea of it. Yeah, there's just there's so many elements that they can be playing with, and I really want them to give me that suite of Star Wars games. There's a huge, massive world that you can play in and a lot of genres to be explored there. Uh, and, and most of the time, I'm going to want a lightsaber with me, but in the right setting, with the right setup and a good story, man, I'm down to be a smuggler. I'm down to be a pilot. I am down to be a Mandalorian or a bounty hunter or something. I don't always have to be the good guy either. Also, remaster Shadows of the Empire. I want that game. Bring it back. Before we get into the next topic, I do think it's worth it to note that there are a lot of games coming out right now that feel like matches made in heaven. Of course, it's been a tumultuous time uh, in the last few years, but the horizon seems rather bright. Respawn with Jedi Fallen Order... Machine Games and Bethesda work on Indiana Jones, Massive with, with an open-world Star Wars game, IO with 007. There's a lot of things to be excited about in the future in terms of the gaming space, and I want to know what it is that you guys are looking forward to. What studios, what games, what uh, genres or franchises are you excited to see make a return or come back or be paired together? What is it that you're looking forward to? There's a lot of good news going around, and I want to see what it is that's on y'all's minds. Y'all's minds, goodness gracious, showing myself here. Uh, on your minds uh, versus mine, you know, like where do we differ? I don't know. CDPR is again in the news this week, this time thanks to a video released by Marcin Iwaniski, the CEO of CD Projekt Red, apologizing for Cyberpunk 2077's rough launch and laying out a roadmap for fixes and the game's future, including a next-gen patch to happen late in 2021. Of course, not too long after that apology video, which certainly didn't land well with everybody, an expose by Jason Schreier came out several days later, detailing that working conditions at CD Projekt Red were crunch-laden, difficult, and not at all the open-armed, open fulfilling attitudes that seem to be coming out from them. Uh, largely prevailing in the expose was the idea that because they made The Witcher 3, they thought they could do anything and they were invincible. 
Of course, that felt to me as I read Jason's article very much the way he wrote the article on Bioware when they were working on Anthem and what happened there, uh, comparing it a lot to, you know, we made Dragon Age, we've done this, we've done that. And that attitude prevailing in the studio seeming to weigh on the developers involved. And in large part, that expose also talked about how developers there, interviews included in his piece, uh, felt like the game shouldn't be out until 2022. That, of course, clashed with what people wanted to hear, people wanted to say, wanted to see. And, of course, the game is already out in, in the state that it's in. The, the next-gen patch is a good long ways away as they'd work to repair this current-gen I had a lot of thoughts on it, and I got a lot of questions from you. This one from Stuart on Twitter. He said, what was your stance on the CDPR apology video? Are you waiting till the next-gen version to play now that we know it's much later in the year? I think I'll wait till the next patch. Then, of course, Famous Seamus asked a question himself that echoed in a lot of that. He said, do you think the CDPR video was a step in the right direction, especially after the Bloomberg article by Jason Trier and the CDPR founder's response to the article? Well, guys, as far as my personal thoughts on the CDPR apology video, it fell very flat with me. It seemed to be uh, a lot of word salad, a lot of nothing involved there. I didn't take Marson's words uh, well. I didn't believe him, in large part because we saw consistently that CDPR lied about the state of the game and how playable it actually was. I did not appreciate the way the game was released out to reviewers ahead of time, how few codes were available, and in large part, the way they misled their consumers. Uh, So the apology video felt very flat to me there. Uh, For goodness sakes, I remind you guys that this game was always intended to come out on PlayStation 4 and Xbox One, and to kind of pass the blame on processing issues with the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One uh, and kind of lead us into thinking that the game was supposed to really be for PS5 and Series SX, I, I just don't buy it. It just really, it really irked me. I didn't like the attitude that was prevailing there. So that video fell flat to me. As far as Jason's article, though, and the response to it, Jason's article was a standard Jason Trier affair, interviewing several people involved and telling us uh, some of the awful things that happened there. And it is for a different topic as to to why Trier is so good at getting that particular type of story. That said, the response where, if anyone's unaware, the founder of CDPR, you know, quote tweeted certain aspects of Jason's article and responded to them on Twitter. And man, oh man, that did not seem to feel good either. It it felt nebulous. It felt awkward. It felt like it wasn't actually addressing real concerns. And there were a lot of questions as to whether or not you could believe what they were saying. And I, I in many ways, don't. I also, in many ways, think that sometimes these Schreier articles are, are a bit skewed in and of themselves. And I have a lot of curiosities there that I, I want to know more about. I like the writing. I like the... Uh, attitude in the investigation. I think we need more of that in the gaming industry. And I will say and say again that Schreier's attitude towards journalism is one that we need to see more of in the gaming space. I don't know that it's always balanced, but who am I to say any of that, right? I'm just an observer and I'm curious about a lot of these things. Again, CDPR's response, it just continuously falls flat. I just, I don't have any faith in the way that they speak right now to their fans, uh, to their customers, to their consumers. I think they're oftentimes not taking care of what's most important in the gaming space, and that's the people making the games and then the people playing the games. I don't think they do a good job of that. So, you know, right now, as far as answering Stuart's question about when I'm going to play Cyberpunk, man, honestly, I might play it next week. I might play it six months from now. I I would like to wait till a few more patches happen. Right now, it looks to me like we're going to have a lot of AAA games be delayed 
for some time, and we even saw Riders Republic getting delayed, Stuart, uh, and that was going to be a Ubisoft open world, you know, vehicle game in the in the vein of Steep kind of thing. I think a lot of games are going to be pushed right now. We're not going to see much happening in the AAA space for some time. So this is a great opportunity to enjoy those back catalogs, to take advantage of games that have been patched and cleaned up and, and play a few of them. I've wrapped up Watch Dogs. I've wrapped up Immortals. I do need a big open world or a big game to play in. Cyberpunk might fit that mold. But, but I want to wait till the, the till it strikes me that I want to play it. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm not like saying, oh, I need to get to it. I don't. I don't. I don't like the way a lot of the surrounding elements happened there. I, got, I was one of the people that refunded my money. Uh, but if the game hits 40 bucks, yes, buying it right away. If if the roadmap is, is happening quickly and we're hearing good things about the, the patched versions continuously getting better, then yeah, I'm down on that one. Good questions, guys. Good questions. This is Shelby Young, and you're listening to the Xbox Expansion Pass. Alrighty, guys, it's about time for listener mail. But before we do, I want to let you know about a couple things that I am looking at reviewing in the coming weeks. Uh, Cyber Shadow is coming out towards the end of this month. That's a game made by a gentleman named Mecha Skull over in the social spaces. That's a one-man team. Of course, Yacht Club Games is publishing it. I'm super excited by it because I played it at E3 2019. Loved what I played. It felt a lot like The Messenger and Ninja Gaiden and all that. Uh, but I'm really excited to see how the game and its release date will happen. That's towards the end of this month. I believe I'll be getting a review code early. I need to play, and play that by ear. Uh, but I know I'm going to be getting and playing that game. I'm also wondering what games to start. Right now, I picked up a couple 10 tons games. I like the twin sticks. They're a low, low, low intensity type, just twin stick shooters or whatnot. I grabbed one called Undead Horde in a deals with gold. I also grabbed another one called Xmorph just for some. I don't know, real-time strategy-type games. I, I want some low-stakes games like that to just kind of jump into. I'm also playing a lot of Fortnite and curious if I want to tackle a big game like Cyberpunk or whatnot. I've also been wondering, do I want to play Crisis Remastered? I've not played that. I've never played Crisis 1. Uh, you know, do I want to do that? You know, I, I just, I mean, I'm bouncing these ideas around. I don't know what you guys are playing right now. I want you to write in and let me know what you games what what you games what games you are playing right now and what games you think I should be playing right now kind of in this downtime going forward all right guys let's get to some of these questions here this first one comes from my good friend Mr. Todd Oxtra he says hello Luke thank you for all the awesome content when do you think we hear more from Xbox on their 2021 release schedule man Todd that is a Again, great question, and I think it kind of goes back to what I said a few minutes ago that I think a lot of these bigger AAA games are going to be delayed for quite a while. You know, I don't think we're going to hear much from them as far as release dates. What I would actually like them to do is reduce the amount of times they say release dates and go with just Windows. Hey, right now we're looking at getting, you know, this game out in quarter four or in the month of, of November and December, or we want this to happen here. Uh, but, of course, we're going to play it by ear with coronavirus uh, time constraints and, and bandwidth problems there. We're going to be working around things. We know that they have, goodness, I think it's something like 20-plus exclusive games coming out this year. Everything from, like, the gunk to Halo Infinite, right? And they actually put up a blog post on Xbox Wire that talked about all the games they're putting out. And we have on good authority that there are more unannounced exclusive games coming as well. Of course, the medium is... Coming out later this month, that's a console-exclusive game that's not going to be available on Xbox One. It's only Xbox Series SX, and we're going to start seeing more and more of those Xbox Series SX games. But as far as release dates, man, honestly, I don't think you're going to know much uh, unless it's a, a stealth drop, unless it's after summer. 
like after summer, you might be having release dates and you'll hear more true information in late spring. But I don't think you'll hear much as far as concrete release dates for some time. Simply put, they put their foot in their mouth with Halo Infinite. They're not keen to make that mistake again uh, unless it's a smaller game that they can really reliably say like, all right, we're going to be able to get it out in this time. As far as AAA stuff, man, they don't have much on the slate for this year that we know of at this point. Again, the medium, that's a Bloober Team product, but you got Halo Infinite, and that's kind of it for what we really know in terms of the big stuff happening. But yeah, it'll be a while, Todd. It'll be a good while, and I'm bummed to say that, but I'm also happy to say that. Real talk, like, I want the games to be good, and that takes time, and I do not want, I do not want another Halo Infinite issue. I don't want a Fallout 76 Bethesda bug-laden problem. I don't want a Cyberpunk issue. Let the games be uh, approachable, playable, and don't announce them too early. This next question comes from Mr. Hypecaster himself. He says, with all the games coming to Xbox, including the upcoming unannounced, can Microsoft have an issue with overloading gamers with too many games? Any guesses on the unannounced titles? Hypecaster, I understand where you're coming from. I don't think so, really and truly. I think, if anything, they need to combat the narrative that Xbox has no games. And for years, they've been, we've been hearing that. And the reality is it's a load of malarkey. The Xbox has tons of games. What they don't have is a God of War caliber game. So they cannot overload gamers too much. They just need a big major hit that everyone wants to play, whether that's Infinite or something else. Uh, they just need constant steady stream of games that they can uh, pimp out on their socials, that people can get into xCloud, get into uh, PC space, get into a console space, and just enjoy what it is the ecosystem has to offer. Because once you dip your toe into the world of Game Pass, uh, a whole lot of things become available to you that you weren't weren't really ready for prior to that. Um, a lot of times when I think of Sony exclusive games, I think of Pillars, once one a quarter, and they're just bangers. They're just bangers. That's how what I think of, and that's not always true, but um, that's how I think Microsoft is trying to combat it is with a lot of titles available, big and small. Now, as far as any guesses on the unannounced title, no, I really don't at this point. I think we know a lot of what was already going to be happening. We've got the perfect dark answer. We know Hellblade is in the works. We know a new Forza uh, Horizon and Motorsport are in the works. We know that there is a new uh, Gears game several years out. We also know that Halo Infinite is very close along with the spinoff project. Past that, like... It's all, it's probably not stuff you've ever heard of or would know. Like, is there going to be a Crimson Skies 2? Maybe. We don't have any information on that. It's just me making that up on the spot. But what else would they really have that you would care about? I mean, no, we've not heard any rumblings of a new Jade Empire or an old returning thing like Conquer or anything like that. I think these unannounced titles are games that you've never heard of because they're new. They're not part of previous franchises. They're not remakes. They're not reinvigorations of anything. Even Tim Schafer himself with the smaller adventure-style games, he's done working on old stuff. He wants to make new things after Psychonauts 2. That's, I think, why we don't know these titles and don't have any inclinations is because they're new properties altogether. At least that's my hope. I'm, I'm ready for them to have new legacy. They need their horizon. You know, Sony came in and created an entirely new franchise with Horizon. Xbox needs that. They need a new a new game that is on that caliber, that is that good, that we've not heard of before, and that takes us into this new generation with uh, hope and optimism, and that's what I'm hoping to see from them. This next question comes from a good friend, Skedaddle, who writes in each and every week, and this week he has a good one for us. The other week, you mentioned how the medium is probably a timed exclusive. 
Do you think the Bloober team is the long-rumored Polish studio Microsoft has been linked with? They seem to be a great fit for Game Pass with releasing so many games in such a short space of time. Layers of Fear, Observer, Layers of Fear 2, Blair Witch, Observer System Redux, and now The Medium. Is it a possibility that the reception of their upcoming release gets uh, release gets determines whether Microsoft will take a chance on acquiring them? Skedaddle. Man, there's a lot to unpack there. You are correct that Bloober Team has released quite a few games from 2016 to now into the Game Pass space. Layers of Fears 1 and 2, Blair Witch, Observer, and Observer System Redux. Those are all great. And, of course, the Medium is the first console-exclusive uh, available you know, in this new year that we're looking forward to. And I wonder, I really wonder if, if, if you're onto something there. I don't think it's a new idea that they could be the one because they are so you know, closely partnered with Microsoft. However, I think we would know by now if that was the case, or we would hear more about Bloober specifically in that. The Polish studio rumor comes from uh, a lot of different places with a lot of little small pieces involved there. For goodness sakes, at one point, CD Projekt Red was the one that, that people were thinking it was. Uh, and that may even still t pan out. Who knows at this point? Because we know Microsoft is shopping around and shopping big, uh, throwing around that wallet. Bloober would be a great fit for, for Game Pass, but I don't think they're a draw. They would be a great fit if they could occupy Bloober and get them in to keep making horror games that they want to make and really have kind of a stranglehold on good horror games consistently coming to Game Pass the way they do now with RPGs. Um, they've got a man, with Obsidian in Exile uh, and, and more at this point with all the Bethesda stuff. They've, they've really got RPGs on lock. If they could lock down horror as well, that'd be a great thing for Game Pass. Uh, they'd be a good get, Skedaddle. I don't have any info. I don't know anything, but they would be a good get, and I like where your head is at, my friend. I don't think the release of the medium is what determines anything. I think the deals take longer than that, though. This next question is a good time. It comes from my buddy Clint Coombs. He says, uh, if you could have a game based off any movie or book, what would you choose? And for the sake of your question, Clint, I'm, I, I understand you're going to be—you're not talking about games like Batman or Star Wars or something like that. Uh, a, a bit of a kind of a, a mixed answer. I would love to see the return of The Matrix in some way, shape, or form in the gaming space. Whether it be a Enter the Matrix, Path of Neo uh, remake, would be amazing. There, I would love to see The Matrix come back in gaming form in some way, shape, or form. Whether that ties into the new movie or not, I think that would be a wonderful aspect there. Daredevil is another character, along with Black Panther, that I would love to see explored in the video game space. A lot of gaming mechanics with Daredevil that you could do that would, I think, differentiate him, him from, say, like a Spider-Man or whatnot. And when it comes to Black Panther, not only is it a hero of color that would allow us to, to explore a world that is largely alien to us in Wakanda, but that, all that vibranium technology offers a lot of gameplay aspects to it that I would love to see happen as well. So yeah, those are my two kind of like off-the-cuff immediate answers. But there's, I mean, there's no limit, man. I'm a big reader. I love, I love the American Assassin series. I love to see something based on that. Of course, the Hitman series from IO is kind of that anyway. But yeah, I, I think that's, that's where I'm going right now. Daredevil or Black Panther are, are two that I want outside of the Matrix. <laughs> All 
Alrighty, guys, that is going to do it for this episode of the Xbox Expansion Pass. I thank you for joining me. If you are at all willing to go check it out over on YouTube, toss it a thumbs up. That would be amazing. It is just the audio version with a cool little graphic image there, nothing too special. But it does uh, allow the, the show to reach more places. Similarly, if you have iTunes and are willing to throw a rating down there, that would be amazing. But in large part, guys, when you listen to the show and then share the show out, that means the world. You can always find me on Twitter at InsipidGhost. Of course, PlayStation and Xbox Live, InsipidGhost as well. And you can email me, InsipidGhost at gmail.com, anytime you like with questions, comments, or concerns. I wish you all the best. Have a wonderful rest of your week. Take care.